Hey everyone, I'm really excited about something new that we have to offer you called Real Talk Weekly. This is gonna be an email only engagement. I'm just gonna slide into your inbox once a week with a few things that represent like the small ways that we actually grow and change. So each week you're gonna get a question. You can use it for journaling, you can use it for conversation. You're gonna get a spiritual thought, something inspirational, something from scripture that's gonna help you get grounded in your identity. And then I'm gonna give you a thought, a takeaway, a practical next step. We all know that change happens incrementally over time. So you can think of this email as your companion on that journey. You can sign up at NicoleEunis.com slash Realtalk. Again, that's NicoleEunis.com slash Realtalk. See you there. And if we treat treat each other with dignity and respect and, and reach out like that with courtesy, uh, that's going to go a long ways in starting a friendship. And another thing is that the friendship has to be greater than the conflict. And so, so being right can't be the most important thing. The other person's really more important. As you're trying to figure this out, there's not a real science to it. But as you initiate conversations, you know, in, in the Bible, when it talks about men and being acting like men, the word to action means initiate. And it also says take courage. So if we as Christians by faith would just go up to someone who's different and just say hello, that can go a long way. So begin to talk about things or don't be afraid to make mistakes and just say, hey, you know what? Uh, can I ask you a really silly question? Uh, all this stuff is going on. I don't know what's going on. Could I ask you a couple of questions? Would you be patient enough to let me be ignorant and just help me with that? Hey, my friends, welcome back to Let's Be Real. I am super excited about today's episode because we're going to be talking with Gary Chapman. Yes, the Gary Chapman, everyone. The guy who wrote the Love Languages book. You might not have known that was his name, but I guarantee like 98% of you know what the Love Languages book is. Gary is a great communicator. He just takes complicated concepts and makes them simple. And he's done that yet again, this time with his good friend, Clarence Schuler, Gary Chapman and Clarence Schuler, life-changing cross-cultural friendships. You know that we are all about this on Let's Be Real. We're all about helping you take practical steps toward the life that you want. And most everyone I talk to would love to be in more significant relationships with people from other cultures, from other races, but they often just don't know where to start. And so Gary and Clarence teach us about their relationship that's been going on since the 70s during desegregation and integration in the schools. And they take us all the way through some really, really practical ways that we can make steps toward flourishing friendships with people from other cultures, from other races, from other backgrounds, and how we can do that well. So take a listen. You guys are going to love this. Okay, you guys, um, thank you so much for coming and being here with us on Let's Be Real. If you're joining us on YouTube, if you're over on our podcast, wherever you are, I'm so glad to have Gary Chapman and Clarence Schuler here with us today. We're going to talk about life-changing friendships. And first of all, you guys, I have to have you introduce each other because this whole book is based on your friendship. You guys have been friends for so long. So I want to ask you, okay, to give me three words to describe your friend, okay? So Clarence, I want you to go first. Three words to describe Gary, and then Gary's gonna do the same. And we'll see. I mean, if y'all need to have a conflict, now's the time. Go ahead. Well, we have had a conflict. We might talk about it today. Um, I think the first thing 
and, and Nicole, thanks for letting me go first. Uh, <laughs> I think the first thing I would say about Gary uh, would be his integrity. I uh, mm. was blown away when I first met him as a 14-year-old uh, mm. by his character and integrity. And then over the years, uh, he's always had integrity. We've had, had some tough conversations about different things, not so much he and, and me, but about even some business things. And I've had to trust him, but he's always had integrity, and so that's really been mm -hmm. good. Uh, probably the biggest thing for for me because of the five love languages, my love language is words of affirmation and encouragement. Mm. He has never said a negative word to me in fifty four years. He, you know, now he may have need, wow. he maybe should have. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we might go there today too, but uh, <laughs> but he's always he has always encouraged me, and mm -hmm. and 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 I and I thought about that. I said he has never said a negative word. Now he has challenged me sometimes when I've mm -hmm. disappointed him, but uh, he's always been an encourager. And and I think the other thing that kind of goes with all that, he's been so incredibly loyal. He um, mm. not only has he loved me, but, you know, since you've read the book, you know, he loves my family and mm. they consider him their grandparent. And he's like oh. a, when my dad died when I was 20, he like became my dad. And then he and his, his daughter and his son have shared him, you know, Shelly and Derek have shared him with me. And so uh, but he's extremely loyal. So. That's a really great, those are three words I would characterize him by. Gary, I hope your love language is words of affirmation because that was a very kind set of things to hear about yourself. It is. <laughs> That's really, really good. Uh, I, I, would say, <laughs> I would say three things about Clarence. One is he's black. <laughs> he's getting old. <laughs> he may be getting senile. Oh, there goes that negative word, guys. We broke the streak. It's not any, not any longer. You're like, except for that one time, he's never said a negative word. Uh, <laughs> but but I'm not really I'm not really black. I'm actually pleasing brown. You know, so that's my mother said. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I seriously what I would say about Clarence is one is uh, I've always I've always appreciated the fact that he reaches mm. out to people that started with our relationship. He started it because mm. he came into my space, mm. and uh, he does that with other people. I mean, he just reaches out to other people, and. Uh, the second thing I would say is that he's, mm. he just has a heart of love. I mean, he cares about people and uh, and prays for mm. people and counsels people. And all of those are expressions of love to him. And the third thing I'd say is he made a really good choice when he married Brenda. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> it's, a, you're, it's a wise man who marries up. That's all I'm going to say. So. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, you guys. And you're y'all, this is and I love to I love this part. And one of the reasons I really wanted to have you guys on the show is we all know we're in a cultural moment where people are very open and interested in what does it look mm. like to have cross-cultural friendships? What how can I be a part of racial healing in our country, et cetera? And mm. that can create a lot of people who are all, all of a sudden starting to talk about it. But when I read your book mm. and I knew the backstory and I'm like, no, no, you guys have been about this 
for decades. This is not new for you in 2020. And I no. think that it's really important for us in this moment that we're in to be listening to the wisdom of those who have been doing this for a while. And I just would love to hear, you know, for you, if y'all could just tell me in like five minutes, your whole friendship story, just kidding. If you could just give me maybe Gary, maybe you'll start us off. And can you just tell us about kind of the genesis of your friendship? And then Clarence, maybe you can jump in with why you guys wanted to write this book. Yeah, well, uh, way back when, in the late 60s, I was working as a youth pastor in a church. And on Tuesday nights, uh, we had a gymnasium, and that it was a new gym, and that's where we were meeting. And one night, uh, and it was an all-white church mm -hmm. in the late 60s, and there was probably 100 kids there that night, mm -hmm. and these two white guys, two black guys walk in. And my leadership adults kind of looked at me and pointed like do you see that <laughs> and and i did kind of it's okay and later i found out that you know integration was just starting here in our city wow. and uh, some of our students had invited one of his friends to come mm. and so he invited clarence and they, they came and so i i met them that night and then at the end of the night i said hey guys we're here every tuesday night and you guys are always welcome mm. and they started coming and that was the, the genesis of our friendship together. Mm. And uh, we could go on, but, you know, eventually uh, Clarence came to Christ. And eventually we, I started spending time with him in the scriptures and meeting regularly with him and, and challenging him to do such things as memorizing scripture. Mm. And so it, was, it kind of started out that part of it as a mentoring a friendship. Uh, it later, of course, became a much, much more personal and deep. Sometimes mentoring relationships go for, you know, a year or so, and then couples, you know, they split and go somewhere else. But uh, even with Clarence having gone to Colorado Springs a number of years ago, I mean, we, we're still friends are friends forever. Yeah. And so, you know, that, but that's where it all started way back when, when there's a lot of tension in our racial mm -hmm. tension in our city. Wow. So Clarence, tell us a little bit about why this book, like why now? Well, I actually wanted to write this book for a long time, and I've been after Gary for a long time to write this book, uh, since we're going to be real. And, uh, you know, he, he first he said he didn't feel qualified. Oh. And then I said, you know, we got to tell a story. But actually, to be honest, there was a, a white couple uh, in a city that's known historically for just a lot of racial mm. problems. And I was there speaking about marriage, and she said, you know, since you and Gary are such good friends, if you guys wrote a book together, I think that'd be a great model for, for other people, how to build cross-cultural mm. relationships. So really, the book is dedicated to her and her husband, uh, but they were the ones who had the idea. Then I just pursued Gary because he's always writing books with people or by himself. And so once I got on the schedule, uh, I think in 2017, <laughs> we com we committed to write the book. And then so the book's been done for a while. Then the publisher pushed it back a year, which I wasn't really excited yeah. about uh, because I felt like, hey, I'm on the endangered species list. You got to get this book out as soon as possible. And uh, and y'all laugh, but, that, but I'm true. I'm serious. You know, with, with George Floyd, and Breonna yeah. Taylor and stuff that's happening, you know, I've never seen so many black men, professional athletes that because I work with some so fearful as opposed to the 60s when I met Gary in 1968 there's a different kind of fear it's much more it's much more intense and it's much more personal so when we wrote the book and just honestly from people reading the book I've been blown away uh, how people say it's been so helpful or when Gary and I speak together it's just our story I don't think we think that much right. about it but when people hear it 
they're mesmerized. Yeah. And, and even on call-in shows, people don't typically call in because people say, we just want to oh. hear, you know? Wow. So I also like, really like that you threw shade at Gary about not writing a book with you. That was probably my favorite part of that <laughs> whole conversation. <laughs> well, and, and what you said, I know, but I want to go, I want to go back. I want to go back. Cause I'm like, it's Gary Chapman. And you're like, but I like it. That just goes to show what kind of guy Gary is. Um, so Clarence, you said you wanted to write this book for a long time. You guys then got prompted, yes. obviously, by a place that you were speaking. But what was in your heart about the, writing the book in the first place? You know, I know you work in diversity and you, you're a diversity consultant and obviously you're very aware of the world. It sounds like you are often in white spaces. Um, so I just would love to hear more about what was behind it for you. Well, the idea was not mine, but once I heard the idea, I thought it was a yeah. great idea. And and you know, Gary's kind of like, I don't know if you're old enough, but there's an actor named Jimmy Stewart okay. and everybody loves Jimmy Stewart. And uh, and so when I use a diversity training, I use a clip of him in a movie. That's a true story in America, American history. And everybody loves Gary Chapman. So I thought if Gary Chapman talks about yeah. race. Everybody's going everybody's going to listen. And when I talk to African-Americans who've read uh, the five love languages and I tell them about our story. Uh, sometimes when I'm speaking at a marriage conference, they say, well, we always really cared about Gary. We liked him and loved his stuff, but now we care for him yeah. even more. And so it just adds a depth of relationship that people didn't know about him that I think they ought to know about. And I just, again, think our relationship is not the only one, is not unique, but I think having a relationship for 54 years from 1968 to the present, uh, people, that really speaks to people you know, more than yeah. I realize. Oh my gosh, I, I agree. And I think you're you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it sounds like you said, man, I, there's a different kind of fear to be a black man in America, yeah. you know, is a different kind of fear. And it sounds to me like you were like, Hey, I, I want to cash in on some of Gary's influence in these spaces to be a, a person who speaks out and speaks up about what, what God calls us to in diversity. I don't want to put those words in your mouth, but I, I, I feel that sense of like, yeah, this is an opportunity to be, an, an advocate who says, let's talk about the biblical principles behind cultural friendships, cross-cultural friendships. Well, I think, you know, Gary's very similar to me to uh, like uh, the guy who headed up Promise uh -huh. Keepers, uh, Coach McCartney. And Coach McCartney could say some things about race that were true that an African-American couldn't mm -hmm. say that would be received by a white yeah. audience. And Gary can say things because he's so mm -hmm. beloved uh, to the white community that they don't feel offended, they don't feel threatened, but they listen to them. So I think that's really, really mm -hmm. important. And I think for us together and and, and writing the book together uh, sends that kind of message yeah. out. And But also the book is not binary. We don't talk just about us. We talk about Asians, Hispanics, you know, so uh, Native Americans. So I, I uh, want people to well, know that Well, and I well. feel like, honestly, like for me, the book was like, it was just that going back to school about healthy friendship hmm. more, more than anything. I think hmm. obviously race is a piece that you guys address directly and you really speak to. But as I was reading through it, I'm like, this is just a really good reminder about what healthy relationships look like, how friendships can be different. What does it mean to really be a good friend? And I, I mean, I've always loved that practical nature of all of Gary's work and your work together. That's one thing that really stood out to me. And Gary, I'm curious for you, you've gone through all these seasons in the church and in your ministry um, where you've been in all of these spaces. Why this book now for you? You know, what, what are you seeing in the world right now that this is what you wanted to offer next? 
Well, I think it's uh, basically what Clarence said. I just saw the tension that's in the country. And I heard a lot of Christians struggling in their own mind, you know, with, I wish I could do something, but I don't know what I can do. And, and when Clarence and I talked about it, I, said, I thought, yeah, here's something every person can do. It's a matter of getting the vision and then taking the steps and sometimes the risk of just kind of reaching out and trying to start a conversation mm-hmm. with somebody that might have the potential of developing into a friendship. And so I just felt like this was another season, uh, just you know, similar to what, what we were when we began, that we just we just needed to do something. Yeah. And I, I mean, of course, what we were asking throughout the whole book is, what if every Christian in this country had at least one really close personal friendship with someone of a different race or culture? Mm-hmm. We just think it would make a huge difference mm-hmm. in the climate. I, yeah, I can't, I mean, I can't agree more. You kind of have started to allude to some of those steps, but let's get into it a little bit. Let's get into what some of those practical steps are for that exact person you just described. They want to be part of the solution, but they're just, they don't know where to start. They just, so what are some of those steps that someone can take toward a true cross-cultural friendship? Well, I I think number one is pray. Mm. (laughs) Take it to God. You know, and that's one of the things we challenge in the book. Read the book and then just ask God, mm-hmm. really, would you like for me to try to begin to develop a friendship with somebody of a different race or culture? Mm-hmm. This is on God's heart. Mm-hmm. If you ask God, I think you put it on your heart. <laughs> so I think for the Christian, that's where it starts. And, and then I think uh, you begin just to open your eyes and look at the people around you. Because most of us have... Uh, at least proximity to people of a different race or culture. And so we start looking around us to see who's there. And then it, it really, really, the first step is just talking to somebody. <laughs> you know, I'm not talking about hallway conversation. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I mean, you know, we do that at the workplace, up walking up and down the hall, sometimes with people of a different race, but we don't even know their names. Mm-hmm. So what if we had a conversation, you know, what, what's your name? Where are you from? What are you doing? Where are you, you know, it's, it's a conversation. It, it kind of starts there. Clarence, how do we, how do we navigate um, great steps? Obviously obvious steps, right? But how do we navigate that feeling of, is this tokenism? Am I like pursuing because I've got to be the Christian who's got the friends, you know, and how do we not have that kind of come across in relationship? Well, I think in, uh, that's a really great question. Gary, I'll take that one too. Uh, but I think um, I think the thing about that is you might get that. You might hear that. Or you might, as you're trying to figure this out, there's not a real science mm-hmm. to it. But as you initiate conversations, you know, in, in the Bible, it talks about men and being acting like men. The word there actually means initiate. Mm-hmm. And it also says take courage. So if we as Christians by faith, we'll just go up to someone who's different. And just say hello. Yeah. That can go a long way. So begin to talk about things. Or don't be afraid to make mistakes and just say, hey, you know what? Uh, can I ask you a really silly question? Uh, all this stuff is going on. I don't know what's going on. Could I ask you a couple of questions? Would you be patient enough to let me mm-hmm. be ignorant and just help me with that? And so I've seen those work. I just The reason I was late today, I was just talking with a guy at lunch uh, who was saying, hey, I think I can learn some stuff from you. Can we talk about some mm-hmm. of this? Because I don't understand some of the differences. 
And then my attitude has to be that, okay, sure, if you really want to know about this, this is my perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think this is what the Bible is saying about that. Um, so I think those are really important mindsets to, uh, it's like sharing the yeah. gospel. And lead, we lead the results of God, but we have a responsibility to speak out, not preach at people, but speak out and develop relationships. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think also like one of these things with with race to me that I feel like has been a little bit of a guiding star is one of the ways to not be like, this person's my project. Like, don't ask mm. them about how they can help you with race before you know their spouse's name, their kids' names, what they like to do on a Saturday, like what's their favorite, like basically how do we like actually genuinely pursue common interest and some level of I'm interested in you as a person so that the person doesn't receive it as like, I don't, I'm not responsible for being your project, like being your one black friend. Um, And that's a, that's a silly, almost feels like it doesn't need to be said, but I think that can help a lot. It's like a genuine curiosity in someone else's life. I agree. I agree with that. You know, I think uh, one of the words we use in the book is courtesy. Yeah. And that word comes from two Greek words. One means the mind and the other means friend. Mm. So it's to be friendly minded. Mm. In other words, just treat the people that you interface with as though they, as though they were your friend, mm-hmm. treat them the way you would treat a friend. And if you start doing that, you're going to ask those kind of questions you know, of them and you're going to get to know them and they're going to get to know you. And it's not, you know, you certainly don't walk up and say, I need to have a black friend or a white friend. (laughs) (laughs) They're a person, treat them as a human, you know, we're all humans. And if we treat, treat each other with dignity and respect and, and reach out like that with courtesy, uh, that's going to go a long ways in starting a friendship. Yeah. I also think it's kind of like, it's sort of like dating, but it's also, if you look at Jesus and the Samaritan woman, Jesus took a lot of risks. But a couple of things he did, he treated her with mm-hmm. dignity, but he also created a safe place for mm-hmm. her. But he met her where she was. When he first started talking to her, she was talking about water. So he talked mm-hmm. about water. And so if you're going to do the cross-cultural thing you and you get into a conversation and they may talk about some things you may not be interested in, but then you need to learn about those things, not to prove who's right or wrong, but to show interest in what they're thinking. And it could be a learning, a win-win for both yeah. of you. So I think having some courage and, uh, but creating a safe place for people mm-hmm. to talk. But also Jesus put himself in position to be rejected because she did initially, but he also had staying uh-huh. power. And a lot of times in cross-cultural situations, we talk about conflict, even initial conflict, and you have to stay mm-hmm. there because uh, Gary and I, first time he picked us up, we had a little bit of conflict. Mm-hmm. But what was so cool about that, he didn't run away, he didn't quit. He didn't say, I'm not gonna fool these young boys. Uh, it, it really made us closer, three of us closer to each other because we heard each other's perspectives. Yeah. What do you do about the, you know, sometimes I feel like I might get myself in a situation where I've said, hey, if I if I say something ignorant, like, p- you know, please bring it to my attention or whatever. But you've got that little back feeling like, am I going to say something or do something that's offensive and this person's not going to tell me, you know, like what, how did you guys break through? It sounds like Clarence, you were, you were willing to bring something to Gary's attention, even though he's older than you and, you know, was in a position of authority. Well, I'm a little bit of a rebel. Uh, and so, so look for a rebel. So Got it. I, yeah. So, I mean, I honestly, before I came to Christ, I was going to be a black Panther because I just wasn't going to take all the stuff my dad took. I just no way I can yeah. do that. But when Gary uh, uh, called us a name, you know, it wasn't a bad name. It was just, 
you know, what he age appropriate name, but for us and where our dads have been demeaned, we were just taught not to accept that. That was tri- talking about so calling we, you a boy, right? I think I, I read that. Yeah. Call, yeah, calling yeah. us yeah. boys. Yeah, calling us boys. Now we were boys because I think I was 15 mm-hmm. and James was 14, but we'd seen our grown, yes. our father's grown men call boy in a derogatory mm-hmm. way. And so even though Gary was not saying it in a derogatory way, just hearing it from a white person, we kind of reveled up and said, you know, we ain't boys, okay. you know, and 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 then and then Gary and his wisdom say, okay, everything else is a problem here. We need to talk mm-hmm. about it, and which we did. Which I love the fact that he sort of modeled what Jesus did with the Samaritan woman. We talked through our misunderstanding. Yeah, yeah. Gary, tell me your yeah, yeah. tell me your yeah tell me your side of that. Well, you know, I was I was blown away when I they were on the porch and I came by to pick them up and take them to the meeting and and I just got out of the car and started walking toward the house. I said, "You boys ready to go?" And his friend James said, we ain't no boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized, oh, ooh, ooh, yeah. you know. But when I listened to them tell what Clarence has just talked about and how their fathers are treated and how that was a derogatory term, I said, guys, I get it, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. I had no idea, yeah. you know. And, and, but, and I said, you know, if I were going to pick up two white guys at your age, I would have said boys because to me it's an age thing. Right. It's nothing racial, you know. But that's just an example of the fact that we will we will see things differently along the way. Yeah. And, and there, you know, but if we listen to each other and try to see their perspective, then it builds our friendship. That's that's awesome. Tell me a little bit more. I loved the, the part on conflict. Again, good for any relationship, not just for yeah. cross-cultural relationships, although the, just like the story you guys shared, there's more room for misunderstanding. So we have to make room for how are we going to how are we going to rectify misunderstandings? But talk to me a little bit about this whole like how to do conflict. You guys lay it out really well in the book. Well, I think one thing that that's important is that you hear each mm-hmm. other and then you process that. And another thing is that the friendship has to be greater than the conflict. Yes. And so so being right can't be the most important mm-hmm. thing. The other person's really more important. Mm-hmm. And for Gary and for me, at least for, for me and James, when, when Gary sat down and talked to us and heard our perspective and we heard his, it actually made us mm-hmm. closer. And so he could have acted at that point. He could have called his boys after that because we understood, but he never mm-hmm. did. So so I think when you have conflict, we have to listen really carefully, hear the other person's perspective. And then you move on in the context of understanding that's really important to that mm-hmm. person, or we shouldn't say this or mm-hmm. do that. And you keep going with that. You know, so I think that was that was important mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. And I think also, you know, if we listen empathetically, that is try to put yourself in their shoes, not you know trying to shoot down what they say, but trying to understand what they say and understand their feelings. So then, then you can honestly say, you know, man, I, I hear what you're saying and I can see how that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I can see how you would respond that mm-hmm. way, you know, and now you've learned, you've learned something about each other's culture. And this is true, not just in black, white, as Clarence said, this is true in any culture, yeah. there are cultural differences. And we use the same words sometimes that mean different things mm-hmm. by it. Mm-hmm. And we can also, when we're having conflict, one can, person could be right. Another person say, Hey, I, you're right. That makes sense. And they agree. Or you can sometimes meet in the middle or uh, sometimes you can agree to disagree agreeably, right. you know. But again, the conflict can never be more important than the individual or the friendship. What would you guys say? Oh, this is such a good topic. I'm sure you guys, I, you know, I, from my my last book was on conflict and conflict resolution. And as I was doing uh, a book tour around, 
and I would talk with people, there would never, like almost everyone I talked to had a significant breach in relationship over the last three mm. years, family, mm. extended family, friendship. What do you say to the person who says, but the conflict apparently was greater than the friendship? Like, that's where I'm at. What, what, what have you, I'm sure you guys have talked about this, but what have you seen? And particularly it's been very much centered around the politicized part of race and what that looks like in our country. That has been at one of those breach points, but for you guys in your own lives, what happens when the conflict is greater than the friendship, at least on one side? Yeah. Well, I, I think for me, in some of those cases, I realized that that person I thought was a friend was just an mm -hmm. acquaintance. And they really, they really weren't a friend. And even though we may have done things together, uh, I still show respect. I still don't put that person down. I just may disagree. Yeah. And and that that and some in some worst case scenarios, then we don't continue to communicate a lot. You know, it, it really sort of depends on them. But uh, I think that's the biggest thing as you ask that question. Is just really for me with a couple of people, not a lot cross cultures really defined that they were really more of an acquaintance mm -hmm. than a friend. Mm -hmm. And the and the race thing kind of brought up it was a bigger it was for them bigger than our mm -hmm. friendship or relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you talk yeah. about in the book situational friendships and professional mm -hmm. relationships. And sometimes we get all those bound like those wires crossed and we don't realize, oh, when push comes to shove, this it, the situation was more important than the friendship. Like that mm -hmm. we were bound by a situation. We were not bound by actual Friendship. Yeah. And, and I think those kind of friendships are good, yeah. you know, situational friendships. Uh, often those are at work, you know, because you're together and you have lunch together mm -hmm. and you are, you have break times together and, and you do share life with each other. And each of you would call each other a friend. But if one of you leaves the work situation and goes to another job, often there's no further contact. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that you were mad at each other. It's just that it was a situational friendship. You were friends because you were thrown together, but it wasn't deep enough to go beyond the situation. Mm -hmm. And that happens often. And, and and we're not, I'm not against situational friendships. Yeah. Those are good places to start. But some of those hopefully will, will work into long-term, deep, personal friendships. So how do we, how do we move in that direction? I think there's such a loneliness epidemic. We're probably addressing some real felt needs for people who are like, I think I'm what, let's say I'm midlife and I, I'm just like, who are my actual friends? People that I thought were my friends mm -hmm. are not my friends. When we start talking about whatever that topic is, um, how do, how do we move? What are some steps that we take to maybe move toward more meaningful friendships within situational or professional relationships? I think one is getting to know uh, their family members. Mm -hmm. First of all, their names. You know, and start praying for if you're a Christian, start praying for their family members and, and maybe say to them, you know, even they're non-Christians. So, you know, the other night I was thinking about John and your son and you mentioned this about it. I was just praying mm. that, you know, God would really help in that situation. Wow. They walk away thinking, man, they prayed for my son. I mean, <laughs> you know, they're, they're more into me than I am into them. Uh, <laughs> but I think. It's those kind of things, showing interest in things that they have an interest in. And family, if they're in a family, family is most important. Mm -hmm. And when you show interest in their family and you maybe you find out it's their birthday yep. and you got a little gift and, and say, take this home to your son. T tell, him, tell him John gave it to him. You know, <laughs> he doesn't even know John yet, but he might get to know John later. <laughs> 
Well, and, and I think this whole thing of listening, mm-hmm. I think listening is an art. A lot of people, when you listen to them, it communicates you care mm-hmm. about them. And so when they're talking to you, maybe the first or second time you're talking at lunch or coffee, ask them more questions about themselves. And the more you ask them about themselves and let them tell about themselves, they're going to feel love. They're going to feel like, hey, this person are at least liked and say this person really thinks and cares yep. about me. And that's a great way to build a friendship because we want friends or people who care about us. So that's a great way to start. And so listening is really an art. And then if we hear what they're saying and respond to that, and I think maybe the first couple of times, just really focus on them and not worry about communicating what we want to do or think. I think that's a great way to start a friendship. So, so good. Okay. One personal question for you guys, as we're getting ready, we're getting near the end of our time. I've loved this time. You guys, the book is so rich. It addresses really so it's such a wide breadth of like practical knowledge. I really do. I I was going to ask you who the book's for, but I think it's for everyone. So I'm going to leave it with it's for everyone. But here's my question. How has your relationship, how has your friendship weathered COVID, race reckoning in America, our political environment in these last few years? Have you guys seen things from the same viewpoint or how have you how have you related to one another through this time? Well, I. I... (laughs) I think there's a, there is a sense in which none of those things affect our friendship. Mm. I mean, we're committed to each other. You know, I know Clarence is there for me. Whatever would happen in my life, I know he'd be there yeah. for me. And I, he feels the same way I think about me. And I, so, so in that sense, none of these things have, you know, fractured our relationship mm-hmm. and, and anything like that. I do think that these things have brought to our attention the fact there's a whole lot of people don't have a relationship like we have mm. that if they had, they would be seeing things very, very mm. different in today's world. Yeah. And I think that's a part of what really motivated us. But yeah. As you mentioned, you mentioned this a little bit earlier that there's a whole lot of people that don't have a friend in their own culture. Yeah. Mm. And uh, well, we want to go in our culture, but beyond our yeah. culture. Yeah. Well, I think for me, uh, our history is so, so long. And when, it's, you know, when he introduced me to Christ, that's a life-changing deal. But, um, and I also saw some looks he received by being my mm. friend. He's gotten a lot of criticism by being my friend. And so that's spoken volumes to me. So he's taken some risks uh, to be my friend. Uh, but then when my dad died, he, for all practical purposes, became my dad. And so uh, so those things that you don't, you don't quit, mm. you don't quit on somebody, uh, there's a huge trust factor. And he's and but he he still listens. And I think I think our doing the book and speaking together, we've just gotten mm. closer. And and there are times if he's on a radio show by a different culture and I want to make sure he doesn't get blindsided, yeah. I might say, Gary, you need to read this. You don't have to agree with it, but I don't want you to get blindsided if they ask you questions yeah. about this. And so it's just it's it's just this um and I love hanging out with him. So it's just you know, I didn't think we could get closer, but I just feel just really mm. close to him. So the COVID, we've been praying for each other for years. Uh, he supports our ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we pray for his family, his grandkids, like my niece and nephew. Yeah. And so it's it's a very close, special relationship, I think, it's a gift from God. So nothing is really, I don't think anything can uh, really destroy our relationship. I think God has just blessed well, us in it. I love, I mean, really what I feel like you guys are saying is the trust that you had built meant that both of you have a broader perspective 
on life, which mm. to me is really the the beauty of, you know, every nation, tribe and tongue will worship the Lord is that we get to have a broader perspective when our friendships increase and deepen across cultures and across backgrounds. And you guys are living proof of that. And it's just delightful to see. So the book is life-changing cross-cultural friendships. You guys pick it up, pick up a couple, do it with a group, man. What a great way to use your Bible study, um, use your Bible study to actually do something transformative. I love Bible study. I love Bible knowledge, but Bible knowledge should be transforming your heart and this will help you get in that direction. So you guys, thank you so much for being with us on Let's Be Real. It's been very real and very awesome. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Nicole. I don't think so lost with you. Flying through the mountain ranges, but I never see